Well, good morning and welcome to Grace Presbyterian. This morning we conclude our series on our theme for 2017 called Grace Together. And we're going to hear from one of our members about the nature of the disciplines of a godly wife from Ephesians chapter 5. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Uh, We are finishing today our uh, five-week study called Grace Together. Uh, But we are not finishing the theme. This is our theme throughout 2017. And it's one that each of us needs to take to heart. The, The greatest cancer that can come into a church is division. And that comes through a disunity many times by thinking more about ourselves, our own self-preservation, than thinking about others. Uh, we're, we're quick to defend ourselves and we're slow sometimes to give grace. That's not how it is with God's kids. Amen? That's not how it is with us. With the church of Jesus Christ, we need to be quick to give others the benefit of the doubt and extend the measure of grace that we ourselves would desire to one another. So even though we're wrapping this up and we're going to move on uh, next week, uh, we're still going to continue this theme and watch how God will unite us together as we give the benefit of the doubt to one another, as we have opportunity to extend grace to one another. But it's still hard. Uh, It's hard, and we saw uh, last week from Mike Klein how uh, that looks uh, from a husband's perspective within a marriage. And this morning we're going to take a look at that uh, from uh, Donna Klein giving her witness and testimony for uh, what it looks like from a woman's perspective within a marriage. And even if you're uh, not married, I hope that you'll recognize uh, that the characteristics that come from those who have to work in union with one another transcend uh, the wedding ceremony. That for single people to do, you will find that there's application here for us to extend uh, God's word into our lives. Um, I'd like you to turn to the book of First Peter just briefly before I call Donna up. Um, it, it was our scripture reading Uh, from the New Testament, uh, addressing husbands and wives, uh, a text where Peter is going to recognize the state of a a wife who lives with an unbelieving husband and how God will use her to bring sanctification into that marriage. Paul says the same thing in 1 Corinthians, uh, that you are a light within your home, but it's not easy. Can I get an amen from the wives? It's not easy, right? I, uh, I think all the way back to our Old Testament reading, uh, d- did you hear how sin entered into Adam and Eve and God shows up as they're hiding, right? And God asks the question to Adam. And what was Adam's reply? It was her, man. <laughs> like that, that, that's where did that come from? That, that's not how the marriage is supposed to work, right? Boy, it's hard. You see it right off the bat from day one uh, that this idea of extending grace becomes very difficult when sinners live together. And every marriage ceremony that there's ever been has been between two sinners. So it is difficult. Um, The blame game continues on out of the garden into our lives today. And this is where scripture uh, speaks into our lives. Helen, I wonder if I might ask for you to go to the piano real quick. You're going to help me with a quick illustration. What I'd like to do if you're in 1 Peter is draw you to the passage that Paul concludes with after he speaks to husbands and wives. Could you play a middle C for me? Um, It's a good note. It's a strong note, right? Uh, But it could sound better. Uh, When God created Adam in the garden, he had all the other animals there who each had uh, a helpmate, who each had a spouse, who each had another kind just like they are except for Adam. 
That God recognized for the man, it is not good for them to be alone. Can I get an amen from the guys? It is not good for a man to be alone. And God made a suitable helpmate in creating Eve. Such that there would be more than one note. Helen, once more in the middle C. Once more in the middle C, please. Now, could you play a middle C and an E above it? Play them together. Does that sound better? Doesn't that sound better? If you're in 1 Peter, I want to press you into verse 8. And in the NIV, I want you to recognize the language that Peter uses. 1 Peter 3, verse 8. Finally, all of you. So, just the wives? Just the husbands? All of you, right? So, he's going to start off chapter 3 speaking to husbands and wives. But here, look what he says. Finally, all of you live in... And what's your Bible say? Harmony. Harmony. Helen, could you play those two together? That when the, the members within a marriage function within the roles God created for them, it's beautiful. Helen, I'd like you to try one more thing now. Could you play that middle C along with a C sharp at the same time? A little louder, a little louder. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, okay, that's good. That's good. Have you ever had that moment in your marriage? Have you ever been there? Yeah, let's go one more time to the harmony. Yeah. This, is, this is God's desire for us. That husbands and wives would learn how to live in harmony with one another. It says be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil. That was our children's message this morning, wasn't it? Right? That, that's why Jesus was tortured. That's why he died on the cross. To set an example. It's what Peter will get to as we reach the end of the chapter. Not only evil with evil, but look what it says. Don't repay insult with insult. Husbands and wives. He's talking to you right now. Right? It's easy to function in our flesh and want to repay eye for an eye. Um, if you do that, husbands and wives are going to live blind in the world. Having punched up both your eyes. <laughs> But he says, don't repay evil for evil. Don't repay insult for insult. Instead, live in harmony with one another. Um, To the clients, I thank you for the work that you've done in prayer and in preparation. And I would ask now, as Donna comes and makes her way up here, will you uh, welcome her as she comes to share with us today? Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Ryan. Good morning. He kind of covered it. Can I just go sit down now? <laughs> I'd like to start this morning by uh, setting the record straight. Um, Mike and I have been married for 34 and a half years. <laughs> um, he can tell you the exact date. He knows when we were married. He just didn't remember how long it's been. And I like to think that maybe it's because it's been such a wonderful ride that it just seems like yesterday that we were saying our, our marriage vows in the church kitchen there. Um, right, honey? <laughs> so last week uh, was Mike's opportunity to talk about men as husbands in godly homes, and this week it's my turn to discuss the role of women as wives. Mike spoke about how important it is for men to love their wives, and now I'm here to speak about women showing respect to their husbands. Lucky me. It goes way beyond giving up the remote control. Though, Michael tell you, we don't really fight over it. Um, maybe I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but more likely, it's, if there's something on I want to watch, we have a second TV hooked up to Dish, so 
Yeah, he's never had to be exposed to the Princess Diaries. <laughs> Sorry, you have. <laughs> I'd like to begin this morning by reading um, through Ephesians 5, verses 22 through 33, and that's page 1823 of your Pew Bibles. Again, that's Ephesians 5, starting at verse 22. Husbands and wives. Wives, submit your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I know from past experience that um, this passage along with Colossians 3 tends to have women seeing red thinking that St. Paul was some kind of a male chauvinist and it doesn't really apply to us having been written long before the dark ages and plenty, plenty of women have asked I'm supposed to submit to this man, the guy who wanted to take our savings and invest in silver coins just before the market fell out? Or the woman who asked why she has to follow this guy and who takes her and the kids to the wilds of North Dakota just so he can work 14-hour days and after only a few months decides they ought to move back home? Or maybe the wife whose husband buys an expensive car and then shortly after he gets deployment off orders for Afghanistan and she has the car taking up valuable space just sitting for a year in the garage. I swear to you that none of these things are stuff Mike did. <laughs> he has his own list of not so stellar choices. But I did know women to whom these things did happen. Mistakes were made along with choices that probably would have liked to have been taken back and it's something we all do and it's something we discover that we can live with and forgive when Christ is part of the equation. It's about showing grace giving it and receiving it, not just for our spouses, but for ourselves through the Lord Jesus as well. My initial reaction to Ephesians 5 passage years ago was much like the woman who asked, I'm supposed to submit to this man? But that was way back in my religion days when I didn't open and read my Bible, before my relationship days with Christ. I've since come to have a much greater knowledge and understanding about the passages I read in the Bible. And as I learned to trust Jesus and delve into deeper into his study of the word of God. And maybe that's why I'm up here speaking to you today. I figure God knows what he's doing because I'm still trying to figure out what I'm doing up here. <laughs> Last week, Mike pointed out that he felt verse 21 ought to be included with this passage in Ephesians. And I also found that in many different versions of the scripture, it is included under the heading of instructions for Christian households, which in our Bible that we read today is husbands and wives. Um, verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Sort of just hangs there by itself. One would ask, who should submit? Well, Bible study aficionados know that when this happens, we have to go back and read what came before. 
So I did that. I actually went all the way back to verses 1 and 2 of the chapter. And they read, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the one who um, should submit then would be the dearly loved children. That would be the who. Those of us who've been adopted into the family of, of Christ. The second verse reminds us of how Christ loved us and sacrificed himself for us. I don't believe Paul uh, started here before going on to describing Christian households by accident, but he rather he would have expected us to have already read this part first, and that would be the foundation for the rest to come. <clears throat> Though the submission part may have gone over a little better with the first century woman at Ephesians than with a woman of today, and I can't speak for Paul, I think the foundation of his message before hearing this submit yourselves part is the, for the first time gives women a better understanding of why they are to submit. And so we see verse 21 serves as a transition sentence. The verses that come between 2 and 21, or I'm sorry, yes, 2 and 21, and I'll let you read those on your own. As a matter of fact, you really should read the whole chapter of Ephesians. That'll be your homework. Um, again, looking at between 2 and 21, Paul tells us about living in light instead of darkness the kind of life each of us are to live regardless of our marital status. We are to live righteously and be wise, to understand what the Lord's will is, and to not get drunk on the wine, but be filled with the Spirit. If we live that way, our lives when we get married are already tuned to a conciliatory attitude, and that will help us in our relationships and have us already understanding to be submissive, submissive out of reverence for Christ. Once we marry... God gives some more instructions on living as Christian husbands and wives. He declares the man the head of the household as Christ is the head of the church. And as men submit to Christ, women ought to submit to their husbands. For some women, these verses are where they tune out. And I did so many years, for many years, not really wanting to consider this is a letter. And you don't start a letter in the middle, you begin at the beginning. As I matured in Christ, I began to understand the need for authority, first in the church, and then in the home. Um, at some point while we were stationed at Fort Campbell, I heard a lesson on this principle and this particular passage using umbrellas and it stuck with me. And it helped me to understand the concept a little better. And I'm gonna share that with you today. Okay, for those of you who believe in old wives tales, yep, I just opened an umbrella indoors. And since I don't believe in luck, uh, you can all relax. I opened it, and it's my consequences. <laughs> this umbrella represents the authority of Christ over the church. It protects and shelters us, and when we stay close to Christ, we need not fear the coming storms. We are safe under his authority and power. When we get married as a man and a wife, a second umbrella is opened. This is going to be fun. <laughs> okay. The umbrella stays under the big authority of Christ, but it gives authority to the husband. We'll put these down for a moment. Why the husband, you might ask? Well, for those of you with kids, or maybe you remember doing this yourself, you give a child a task to do or um, deny them something and they ask why. And they keep asking why over and over. They're never satisfied with your answer until you finally said, because I said no. <laughs> the child doesn't really want a reason for your answer. They just want you to change your mind. They want it their way. And we as grown women might be asking for the same reason. Why the husband? 
because God said so. And he's not changing his mind. He tells us so here in Ephesians, as well as in some other verses, which we, Lois read some of these this morning. Genesis 3.16, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Colossians 3.18, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as fitting in the Lord. Titus 2, verses 4 and 5, then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. And then again, we heard 1 Peter verse, or chapter 3, verse 1, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands. And then verses 5 and 6, for this is the way the holy women of the past who put their God in, hoping God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her Lord. Often we look at these, these verses and we feel like they're antiquated. They're not meant for today's society. But if we believe God's word is truth and that he is unchanging, then we have to believe what we read here and accept that God has made the husband the head of the household. So back to the little umbrella. As husband and wife, we often share holding on to the handle. We make decisions together. We share keeping the umbrella upright and covering ourselves and our family, living by God's word, just as Christ has shown us. But sometimes a storm will come through in our lives, and if we're not walking together in the same direction, or we try to wrestle control of the umbrella from each other, we can cause ourselves to lose some of the protection that we would have under the big umbrella of Christ. We are better suited to share in the situation together and stay under the umbrella of the authority of household. One of us might get just fed up with, with struggling and wrestling for control. They might let go. One of us might move away from the protection of the household, perhaps even going so far that we're not even under the big umbrella of Christ, no, no longer relying on God and Christ and we're completely left out in the rain. If only one person is meant to hold on to the umbrella in the really rough storms, it becomes easier for that one person to hold the umbrella up and keep it strong without resistance from another person. Perhaps God chose husbands to hold on to the handle because they're physically stronger, they're often less emotional, and they tend to look at the very concrete need for keeping the umbrella upright. They're not going to do this. <laughs> I don't know any of that for sure, but I do know that God has told us that the husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, as is expressed in Ephesians 5.25. This comforts me. I can see Mike holding on to the umbrella with one hand and around my, my, his other arm around my shoulders, doing his best to keep us safe under this umbrella that the, the authority of God has given him to hold. It's a rather idyllic picture of the married life that some people think is too hard to achieve, and it, it really is. Put that down again. I believe that just loving each other and holding on to the umbrella is just not enough. I think it's important for us also to stay under the big umbrella of Christ, and when Christ enters in the marriage, he gives um, the husband the strength that he needs to care for and protect his family. One of the books that I like to turn to frequently as a resource is The Most Misused Verses in the Bible, by Eric Baggerhoff. And if he talks about the misuse of the verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Those of you ladies who've done a study with me know that if I see this verse on a t-shirt, it just sets my teeth on edge. I won't go into detail on this scenario and why he uses to claim this 
uh, as a misused verse, but I do agree with him that we forget it's about finding contentment in our circumstances and finding the strength to endure what life gives us because it's Christ who strengthens us while glorifying himself. The easy-to-read Bible version of this verse reads, Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must. Let me read that one more time. Christ is the one who gives me the strength I need to do whatever I must. That's what should be written on a t-shirt. A husband needs Christ to help him do whatever he must, regardless of the situation he faces in life. Plus, he needs the support of his wife standing next to him. We read in Ecclesiastes 4.12, The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. When a marriage has Christ standing between the husband and the wife, helping them both to stay strong, then the marriage is blessed and God is glorified. The umbrella stays upright. Moving back to Ephesians 5, verses 28 and 29. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. We feed and we care for our bodies. We want to keep ourselves alive, if not physically fit. Um, a couple weeks ago, my sister and I were shopping together, and we came across this dish towel that said, cremation is my only hope for a smoking hot body. <laughs> I feel that way. But that's not what Paul's talking about here. He's not talking about being physically fit. He wants you to take care of your bodies, keep it alive, feed it. Going back to Ephesians, in verse 31, we read that a man and a woman joined together in marriage and become one flesh, one body. So the marriage as the body needs to be fed and cared for, kept alive. The end, tail end of the verse 29 compares our feeding and caring of our bodies as Christ does the church. Christ loves the church so much he died for her. And this brings us full circle back to those verses one and two. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. That's the bottom line to being a husband and wife in a marriage that honors God. Live a life of love, sacrificing as Christ sacrificed for himself. We love one another as husband and wife, each loving the other as much as self, if not more at times, being willing to sacrifice for the other person. Sometimes it's the little things like who gets control of the remote. Other times it's the big things like giving up your job and friends to follow that other person across the country to support them in their chosen profession. The verse Ryan has been using in, uh, during this series, I think it's still up there. First Ephesians 4, verse 2, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. This is where grace comes into play. When we bear with one another in love as husband and wife, we extend grace to one another, even when we don't much feel like it. We have to put aside the temptation to say to other women, let me tell you what he did now. Like how he left the seat up and you went fanny dunking in the middle of the night. <laughs> that was one of the first things when we were married. Put the seat down. It happens, but truly their sins are no greater than your own. I once gave Mike a card that read, sometimes I wonder why I put up with you. And inside it said, oh yeah, now remember, you put up with me. <laughs> I keep this card to remind myself to stay humble when I consider holding mistakes over his head. 
Going back to verse 21, one last time, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The Greek word for submit here, because I all know y'all are just craving to know the Greek grammar, right? The Greek word is hupotasso, which means subject to. Paul uses the middle voice, which focus on, on, focuses on what one does to oneself. One submits oneself to others. The Bauer, Arndt, Gingrich, Denker, Greek, English, Lexicon, say that fast three times, rightly describes this as submission in the sense of voluntarily yielding in love. I really like the sound of that, don't you? Yield to yourselves voluntarily out of love and in reverence for Christ. But it's a hard thing to do, I admit. What I found that helped me let go of some of the need to be in control and submit to Mike was about what I wore every day. Now, I'm not talking about a clothes choice that can become outdated, but about wearing something that will never go out of style. Romans chapter 13, verse 14 tells us, Close yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I have to take time every day to put on Christ, to live and keep in step with the Spirit, and to find out what pleases the Lord. I can only do this in prayer and devotion. If you cannot begin your day meeting with God or any time of the day for that matter, you'll have a difficult time trying to know what pleases him. Trying to live in submission to your husbands as well as God will become much more difficult, ladies. Finally, I'd like to wrap this up with verse 33. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Husbands are expected to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands. If you were to type marriage into the search section of the christianbook.com website, you would find a plethora, which is a fancy word for a whole lot, of books about Christian relationships and the biblical principles that help to build a strong marriage. The title of one of these books is actually Love and Respect, with the subtitle, The Love She Most Desires, The Respect He Desperately Needs. I'm not advocating this book over any of the others, although I have read this one and it is really good but the subtitle is what I'm drawn to here today. The love she most desires. I think as women we would agree we really want to be loved. We want to know that we matter to our husbands and that while he may let us down from time to time, we want to be as happy, for him to be as happy to be married to us as we are to him. Sometimes as single women, we may have fantasized about our knight in shining armor coming to rescue us. Well, hopefully we realized after we we're married that it's not the guy we said I do to. He can't rescue you. The only real savior in our life is Jesus Christ, Amen. our true knight in shining armor. I think one of the best ways wives can respect their husbands is to let him off the hook on this one. Don't expect him to be someone he's not and cannot be. In closing, I would ask women to remember as Christian wives, our husbands need to be respected to be given the opportunity to hold the authority God has given them in marriage without a struggle, and to know we want them to be strong in the Lord, so much so that we make it a habit to pray for them, asking Christ to walk along with us, grasping tight to the umbrella handle, and practicing grace together. Would you join me in closing prayer, please? Lord God, our Father, we humble ourselves to you, remembering that you are the creator of marriage, the one who set into motion the relationship as man, of a man as a husband and to a woman as a wife, establishing the need for us to practice grace as we honor not only our spouses, but you as well. 
To you, Lord Jesus, we give thanks for the honor you show the church and so exemplify what it means to sacrifice for her as a husband, considers how to sacrifice for his wife, and for showing women that the submission you showed for the Father is how we ought to show respect for our husbands. Help us as your church to keep your word as the foundation of all we do in relating to one another. To God be all glory and honor, now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus.